0: Well, good morning and welcome to River Glen. I'm Dave, the campus pastor over at our Pewaukee location, and I'm very glad that you're with us today, whether you're here in Waukesha or 20 minutes down the road in Pewaukee or you're watching us online, wherever you happen to be. It's great having you with us today. Now, for the past two weeks, we've been working through this series called The Vow, and it's been our goal to see God's plan for our relationships, starting with the most important one, that is with God himself. So in week one, we explored, I vow to make God my number one. And then last week, Ben worked through, I vow that our marriage is more about we and less about me. Today, we're going to dive into the third vow that's essential for a thriving relationship. Now, the ideas we're going to talk about today, they apply to all of us, regardless of our marital status. Strong relationships of all types, they're built on the principles that we're going to be exploring in the Vow series. Now, before I go any further, um, I think full disclosure is very important here. I am not a marriage guru, and I am far from a perfect husband. If I started telling you all the mistakes that I have made in my marriage, we'd be here for a very long time. Uh, point in case, guys, this one's for you. I know you can find a quick trip on virtually every street corner. But trust me, there's nothing there that she wants for a gift. (laughs) No, all kidding aside, I've got a passion for seeing marriages flourish and grow. My wife Sharon and I, we've been involved with River Glen's Marriage Mentoring for several years, and it's been really rewarding to help couples enrich and uh, to guide their lives as they enrich them. Now, think about this. It's human nature for us to pursue what we desire. And a quick glance at book titles is going to give you a pretty good idea of what we as a society pursue. You'll find titles such as the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of perfection. Good luck with that one. The pursuit of excellence, power, victory, justice. And you will also find the pursuit of attention, which is kind of like subtitle, hey, look at me. But there's the pursuit of God, the pursuit of holiness, and in pursuit of love. Coach Vince Lombardi nailed it when he stated what he pursued, where his priorities are. He said, God, family, and the Green Bay Packers, in that order. Now, you can change the order of your priorities at 540 this afternoon if you want to. (laughs) So ask yourself now, what am I pursuing? Am I pursuing my spouse, or am I so focused on other things so intently that that I'm ignoring my spouse? So the vow for today is this, I vow to never stop pursuing you. I want you to think back to a time when you met that that special someone and you decided to really pursue after them. How did you impress your, your love interest? Did you do something kind of crazy? Now, we're not talking the kind of creepy stalker kind of stuff, but did you do something that maybe sounded like a really good idea at the time? Like this guy I read about, He thought his girlfriend would be impressed with his skateboard skills, so he decided to board down the steepest hill in town. Well, he crashed. He crashed into the back of a hearse, shattering the back window, and the uh, hearse was uh, occupied at the time. Not a good scene. And then there's this guy. He asked his high school prom, uh, his high school date, to the prom, and he did it dressed as Prince Charming. Do you recognize Prince Charming? Who is it? That's Garrett. Garrett Johnston, our high school and uh, college pastor. And the best part of his prom pitch is he did this riding on a Clydesdale. (laughs) Hard to top that. Now we've gone to great lengths in pursuit of love, haven't we? Now, maybe we haven't gone quite as far as what Garrett did, but we've done some pretty outrageous things. And sometimes, sometimes pursuit, it's difficult. and It's it's full of uncertainty. This little miniature notebook that I have, my mom sent this to my dad back in December of 1942, shortly before he was deployed to the South Pacific in World War II. And dad carried this with him throughout the war. Mom's words in here spoke volumes to Dad during this very difficult time that he spent so far from home. She said, Please remember, I'm deeply in love with you. I'm waiting faithfully for you. Take care of yourself and come home to me healthy and unharmed. We have a big day and a wonderful future ahead of us. Say your prayers and take communion frequently. And I'm smiling and happy just dreaming of our wonderful future. And then she signed it, Ego Amo Te, which is Latin for I love you. Now, mom affirmed dad. She reassured him, vowing to remain faithful and loving. Now, this isn't the way that most of us would like to pursue our loved one. but That was mom's only option at the time. In her own way, she vowed to never stop pursuing dad. Now. In those early stages of our relationships, we worked really hard. We gave our sweetheart all of our time, all of our attention. We were relentless. We never stopped. And we certainly didn't approach the pursuit of our loved one half-heartedly. Okay, enough living in the past. I want you to kind of jolt yourself back to the here and now and ask yourself, am I still doing the things I did back when I was dating? Or... Have I slipped into complacent and lazy patterns and behaviors? Is God my number one priority and my spouse number two? Or have I allowed my hobbies, work, children and friends to take the place of God or my spouse? Can you think of any era of your life where being neglectful is gonna yield you some great results? I mean, it's ridiculous to think, I want a great-looking yard, but I'm not going to water-fertilize or mow my lawn, or I want a healthy physique, but I'm going to continue feasting on junk food and lounging on the couch. So why is it that we can neglect our marriages and still expect intimacy and love? To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Think about that. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Now, it's sad when a married couple wakes up years after the I do to the realization that their romance is gone. Where did it go? What happened to it? Well, it's gone because we stopped pursuing each other. It's gone because we became complacent. Complacency, it's the enemy of love. Christian author Max Locato said it so well. He wrote, Satan won't suddenly steal your marriage from you, He'll do far worse. He'll paint it with a familiar coat of drabness. He'll replace evening gowns with bathrobes, nights in the town with evenings in the recliner, and romance with routine. He'll scatter the dust of yesterday over the wedding pictures in the hallway until they become a memory of another couple in another time. Last week, Ben explained Genesis 2.24, where God reveals his plan for marriage. And it said, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That word united translates from the original Hebrew as the word debach. Debach means to pursue hard with affection and devotion. Debach was used in several scriptures in various contexts, but every single time that word was used, it described a deep, devoted powerful force of pursuing and bonding together. One of the best examples that I found of debauch in the Old Testament is the story of, of Jacob found in Genesis 29. And here's where Jacob's uncle Laban, who had two daughters, Leah and Rachel. And Leah was the eldest, and the Bible describes her as having weak eyes. The younger daughter Rachel is described as having a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel and he desired to marry her. It says, I'll work for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. At the end of seven years, Laban, he tricked Jacob, giving him Leah as his wife instead of Rachel. Laban demanded then another seven years of labor from Jacob before he would allow him to marry Rachel. Laban said, we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work, and Jacob, did so. Okay. Now the story of Jacob and Leah and Rachel, it is really, really messy. But it's also a great story, a great example of pursuit. Can you imagine working for your future father-in-law like Jacob did for 14 years just to gain permission to marry your beloved? That to me is the ultimate in persistence of pursuit. Jacob never, never gave in. So what are you willing to do? in pursuit of your spouse. Now, remember, as I said before, I am not the perfect husband, and I really struggle in this area of pursuit. As an example, one evening, not too long ago, while watching TV, Sharon very politely asked me to get up and get the TV remote. I want you to think about my range of possible responses. It could have been, sure, here you go, or what? There's nothing wrong with your legs, get it yourself. Well, what did I do? I'm sorry to say that my response was somewhat in between. It was a little closer to that one. It was a sigh, an eye roll, and very pouty compliance. It certainly was not one of my finest moments. Now, I can't help but compare my, my selfish actions to those described in the song that we heard just a few minutes ago. It said, but I would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more, just to be the man who walked 1,000 miles to fall down at your door. And me? I got bent out of shape walking across the room to get a TV remote. Now, do you ever find yourself defending your selfish behaviors or making excuses? for your lack of effort because you don't feel like it. I'm sure we've all heard someone lament, oh, we just fell out of love. Or you've lost that love and feeling. Whoa, whoa, that love and feeling. You lost that love and feeling, now it's gone, gone. gone. And don't forget the whoa, whoa, whoa at the end. So is, is love just a feeling? I challenge you, think of love as a deliberate, action, not just a feeling. The word love, it appears in the Bible over 500 times, and many times it's used as a verb, an action word, as in Romans 12.10, that says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. To love, it takes commitment. To love demands pursuit. Now, to those who are married, let me ask you this question, and don't dismiss it and just kind of brush it off. If you don't feel in love, could it be that you've stopped pursuing your spouse? And don't be too quick to respond, no, 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 it's not me who stopped, it's him or it's her. It's really easy to point your finger at your spouse, but I'm talking to you. Did you stop pursuing your spouse? If you don't like what you're getting, you might want to look at what you're giving. Think about it, let that soak in. If you don't like what you're getting, you might wanna look at what you're giving. Are you pursuing every day in ways that make your spouse feel loved, respected, and cherished? Now, we pursue during dating, but are we forgetting that marriage requires that same level of pursuit if intimacy is gonna be our goal? Pursuit, it should be a mutual endeavor in marriage. And for those of you who are dating, If you're the only one pursuing, that should be a major red flag. If your loved one is not pursuing you now while dating, it's hard to imagine that they'll start once you're married to them. So how do we rekindle the spark in our marriages? It's never too late to start again. Now, your spouse, they may not respond immediately in some grateful ways, but if you're really honest with yourself, If you've ignored the needs of your spouse for a long time, they might be skeptical when you begin to pursue them again. So be patient, be persistent, and by all means, be loving. And don't wait for your spouse to make the first move. Take action now. Pursue hard after your spouse. Now, let me give you a couple guidelines that might help you as you move in this direction. And the first guideline is this. Pursue your spouse how they like to be pursued. Now, you know your spouse well. Show your love, show your affection in tangible ways that speak to their love language. Now, maybe words of affirmation or physical touch make your spouse feel loved, or their love language might be receiving gifts, quality time, or acts of service. If you're not sure, that's okay. Just ask, ask them. What makes you feel loved? It took me 25 years of marriage to Sharon to figure this one out. Sharon is all about quality time together. So she feels loved when I help prepare dinner. So I dice the onions, I chop the veggies, and we just visit while doing the cooking. It's a simple thing, but it makes her feel so loved. Remember our friend Prince Charming, Garrett? Well, that girl... She did accept his prom invitation, but things really didn't work out after that, and Garrett eventually met Kaylee, who is now his wife. Kaylee didn't like the showy, theatric proposal, so Garrett changed his approach. Kaylee felt loved because Garrett showed his affection in ways that spoke her love language. Garrett pursued Kaylee the way she liked to be pursued. And by the way, his marriage proposal to Kaylee Did not include a Clydesdale. Now, several weeks ago, I saw one of our pastors and his wife as they were leaving the movie theater, and they had watched Ford versus Ferrari. Now, I suspect that he picked the movie, but you couldn't tell because she was smiling, she was enjoying the time spent with her husband. Uh, But next time, uh, Ben, it's Marnie's turn to pick the movie. Our second guideline is this. Pursue your spouse often, even if you don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't feel in a loving mood towards Sharon, but God called me to lay down my life for her, and he expects her to do the same for me. Now, this may be hard to accept, but maybe we need to get over our feelings and stop saying things like, no, I don't feel like it, or I don't feel the love. There's no other area in our lives where we can rely on and act upon our feelings and get away with it. I mean, how ridiculous would it be if we relied on our feelings all the time? Things like, well, I don't feel like driving the speed limit. I don't feel like going to work this week. I don't feel like paying my bills. Try following your feelings there and see where it gets you. We should rely instead on our commitment, our commitment to one another, not our feelings. And I know, We often have good intentions, but we fail some way to follow through. So how do we close that gap between our intentions and our actions? Well, we take simple and direct steps. Try this. Pursue your spouse by encouraging daily and dating weekly. Let's break it down a little bit. To encourage daily, think of what Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another Daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What if you could do something that would make your spouse feel loved and would only take you 30 seconds? Try this. Start the moment you reach the front door at the end of your workday. Before you touch that doorknob, before you open that door, put a smile on your face. It doesn't matter how your day went, what you're thinking, it doesn't matter if you're starving, put a smile on your face. Even if you have to pretend just a little bit, make your spouse feel like you are absolutely thrilled to see them. Remember, this is the most important person in your life. Your attitude is going to set the tone for the rest of the evening, and this only takes you 30 seconds, so try that. Or if your spouse is uh, encouraged by words of affection, Tell them how much you love them. Tell them, I love you because you put God first, or I love you because you're my best friend. They want to know, do you love me today? Or if your spouse is encouraged by words of affirmation, build them up. They want to know, do you believe in me today? When you think something good, say it, do it. Encourage daily. And date weekly. Pastor Craig Groeschel emphasizes the importance of spending time with your spouse. And he acknowledges that we're all busy, but it's crucial to make an effort every single week to spend uninterrupted time together for a date. This doesn't have to be elaborate, it doesn't have to be something expensive, but be creative and share in a common interest, or indulge your spouse by willingly participating with them in an area of their interest. Now, there's a couple from our church that are a great example when it comes to pursuing one another as they share in common interests. So listen to Jeff and Diane as they tell their story. Check out the screens.
1: Hi, I'm Diane.
2: And I'm Jeff. We're the Geezies. We've been attending River Glen for almost 23 years. We started with the second service.
1: We actually met each other through a blind date. Um, Jeff had a friend who worked at a daycare and um, he (laughs) asked her if she knew any young, lovely women that she would set him up with, basically. When I (laughs) I kept asking
2: her about these dates, she said, yeah, I think I have one. I'm like, one, what's that? She said, no, the one. You know, I had just been divorced in January of that year, and I was never one of those to say, I'm never getting married again. I just said, I'm in no hurry to go through that again. And by Christmas of that same year, I pretty much knew that I was gonna get married to Diane. It truly was love at first sight, truly. So we planned our wedding. We got married at Old World, Wisconsin in a barn. Ben did the service, that was in 1999
1: and it was a beautiful ceremony. We're more naturey people, so we, we connect um, in nature. We go for walks with the
2: dogs, and, and that's a cool thing for us. And we'll go out, and it's really where we do just a, a quick get reconnected kind of thing. We talk about what's going on, what's troubling you, what what you want to do, what kind of goofy ideas you come up with for the future. But it it's seriously that time where we just reconnect. Uh, it was a few years back, I was out on a bike ride with John Howard. We were talking about riding, and I was talking about how I ride with Diane, how pretty much all of my riding is with Diane, and it was weird to be out on a ride with John without her being there. And, and, and he started getting a feel for how good a relationship we had and wanted to know if we were interested in joining the marriage uh, ministry, and in particular, getting a marriage mentoring program going at River Glen.
1: Couples drift, and they don't do anything about the drift because they get distracted by their kids, their jobs, a lot of that stuff, and I think that it's so important to recognize when you start to drift because some couples allow that for their entire children's lives. I had four-year-olds when I met him, and they were the center of my life, and I couldn't imagine having him be the center of my life and putting those kids to the side because I'd been fighting for them for years by myself. And um, I came to the conclusion that my kids are going to grow up and they're going to move away. That's why it's so important to, to just keep connected.
2: Diane has made it clear right from the get-go that I am the most important person in her life.
1: I think that as long as you establish that with each other, it just allows for more freedom. Um, and just a sense of well-being in your relationship. We keep we keep that up, and so I don't see our relationship being any different than when we first started pursuing each other, because we have kept going with that throughout our lives. We've never allowed that distance, and we've experienced that distance, both of us. And we've been, you know, Jeff has been divorced and so have I, and so, Um, We understood that that's not something that we were going to let happen again.
2: I think what's going to be interesting with us is we've based most of our our leisure activities on fun, outdoorsy, active things. I never thought at this age I'd be doing most of those things. It'll be fun to see see what the old Jeff and Diane are capable of. I'm sure there's people that are going. What do you mean, the old? We're there,
1: but we'll be in the woods with our walkers. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love their attitude. Maybe it's not realistic for us to mountain bike and hike rough, rugged terrain like Jeff and Diane do, and and I get that, but. Find your sweet spot, discover and explore activities that both of you like to do and that fit your lifestyles. Now in the message last week, Ben talked about the importance of developing a vision, a common vision for fun. And he suggested some, some fun ways to spend time together. So if you missed the message last week, go to the messages section of our website and watch week two of The vow. Now, in addition, we've created some more great date suggestions. They're fun, easy to do, like uh, stargaze on blankets in the backyard. You might want to save that one for summertime. How about this next one? Uh, Snuggle time, pillows, blanket, hot cocoa, favorite movies, candles. Now, these are some great ideas for you, and you're going to get a list, a copy of these suggestions on your way out of the auditorium today. The bottom line is this, spend time together doing something that's fun. This will help you develop that habit of dating weekly. And be sure to make sure you buy a ticket for our marriage date night. It was coming up on Valentine's Day. The tickets are available in the lobby at both of our campuses. Marriage date night promises to be an amazing night of laughter with live comedians and live music. This event is for all couples, not just our married couples. Now, I know some of you are probably sitting back right about now and thinking, oh, Dave, this is all so cute. Easy for you to say, Dave. You and your perfect life, your great wife. You got that part right. Your wonderful marriage. I'm going to push back on you just a little bit. Sharon and I have crazy schedules just like you. Satan attacks after our marriage as well. Over the years, we've hurt and we've neglected each other. And we've faced our health challenges too. And we have to work, we have to work at our marriage even when we don't feel like it, just like everyone else. Simply stated, our marriage will be as good as we decide to make it. Commit to making your marriage awesome. And it doesn't matter if you've been married for five days or five decades, whether you're head over heels in love or you're ready to throw in the towel, all of our marriages, they can be strengthened. This is why River Glen has a marriage mentoring program. We have trained mentor couples that will come alongside you to teach you some healthy ways for you to communicate. I want you to hear the experience of a a couple that participated in our program, and they gave me permission to share this letter with you. They say, River Glen's marriage mentor program was a step we needed. Just like a carpenter uses certain tools for a job, we needed to find tools that we could use for our marriage. Stepping into marriage thinking that, Well, ours will be different, it's everyone's dream, but also not reality. This is how we started our marriage. It was just the two of us trying to manage through each day, and there were conflicts. We didn't have anyone to share with. Both of us were too proud to talk to siblings because our marriage was the perfect one. We found ourselves wondering, are we so different than everyone else? Are we the only ones fighting? We knew we needed help. The thing we were missing in our marriage was Jesus we have been attending River Glen for five years. We read our Bibles, we prayed, but we never said, Jesus, we need your help. We finally turned to him and connected with a marriage mentor couple. Once we started talking with our mentors, we realized that we were not alone, and we learned God's plan for our marriage. We realized that Jesus was holding out his hand toward us. We just needed to reach out for it. Our mentors, they gave us tools for improving communication, But the best resource for our marriage, it was there all along, and that was Jesus. Now, as you heard from this couple, we aren't alone. We all face challenges in our relationships. None of us are living in the the perfect marriage. Marriage mentoring, it's really intended for all couples, engaged, newlyweds, empty nesters, couples who are living in harmonious wedded bliss and those that are in the midst of, of chaos and hurt. We have people at the Connect wall today who would love to talk with you about the mentoring program. Or if you prefer, just go to our website, click Marriage Mentoring to get more information. But whatever you do, remember, remember, we're all in this together. Our marriages, they become stronger, they become more resilient when we connect with others. There's an old Kenyan proverb that I love. It says, sticks in a bundle are unbreakable. So you take a couple sticks. One or two sticks, you, your spouse. You think about it, these can be twisted. They can be bent. They can be broken. They can be snapped in half by temptation, by abuse, by neglect. But if you, your spouse, you start to connect with other people, and you do so and you share your victories. You've got a lot of other people there. You share your victories, you share your struggles, you share your life experiences. You become stronger, you become a bundle. And then when you take God and you put God first in your relationship bundle, now there is no way that this bundle can be twisted, bent, or broken. And I know what you're thinking, come on. That last stick that you put in the bundle, the God stick, it's so sturdy. It's not gonna bend or break. You're exactly right. Now your marriage is unbreakable, just like this bundle of sticks. Now at River Glen, we create bundles of sticks in lots of ways, and one way is also through life groups. We offer groups for people in every walk of life. Our goal is to help people grow closer to God as they grow closer to one another. Now as you've already heard, our group link event, it's coming up this next weekend at both of our campuses. And we'll have group leaders available in the lobby after each service that will answer your questions and they're going to help you to find a group that's the best fit for you. Now, as we wrap up today, I want to look at what John said to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2. John warned them against falling away from their faith in Christ when he said, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. The Ephesians, they stopped loving God as their number one. They stopped pursuing their spouses as they once did. And John encourages them to repent and do the things that they did at first. So let's vow to do the same. Let's vow to never stop pursuing our spouse. Next weekend, it's gonna be very special. We wrap up the vow series With a very special service, our married couples are going to have an opportunity to renew their vows during our, our time together. But we welcome all of you, all of you to join us. If you're not married, please be here to celebrate, to encourage, and to witness this very, very powerful event. Now, would you pray with me? Lord, you set the example for us because you always lovingly pursue us every day. Give us the courage and stamina to stay strong as we pursue our spouse, even in the face of hostility, ridicule, and indifference. Thank you, Father, for lifting up role models and mentors who can guide us in improving our relationships. Encourage us to set aside our own selfish desires so we can focus our attention and our time and our energy on pursuing our spouse. And above everything, Lord, show us how to strive for what matters most That is relationship with you. Let no pursuit come before the pursuit of you, Lord. We are grateful that you relentlessly pursue us no matter what we have done. Amen.